Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 309 for Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. folks and welcome to gig gab the show by for and about working musicians here in durham new hampshire dave hamilton here in napomo california to paul kent how uh you played a gig this weekend you played a house rockers gig. you played the first house rockers gig this weekend in a long time how'd that go it, it really was an amazing experience you know we Remember, we rehearsed three times, two band rehearsals, one vocal rehearsal a month ago, which was our first get together, you know, in a year. Yep. And um, and then a month had gone by, and then we rehearsed actually on Thursday, and that rehearsal was actually kind of janky. It was a, kind of a semi-open rehearsal. The guys could invite their families if they wanted, and you know, we had you know a handful of people there, plus who was ever in the place. So we we. Simon has started playing acoustic gigs at this new microbrewery. Um, that's in a nice big warehouse and a nice, you know, warehouse area. They've got plenty of room. They have music. They, they love Simon. And Simon said, Hey, you know, we will bring some people in for you. Can we do a Thursday and Friday? Thursday will be just a rehearsal. Friday will be right. a gig. But, but, you know, if we really push it like we did all our gigs, you know, you'd have to worry about security, probably worry about police. So we're just going to kind of stealth it and we're going to, we're just going to seat it to people and, um, let them figure out that something's going on. So, you know, how many we'll people could up. this place hold all, all told? I didn't know at the time. I mean, front to back 500 people actually. Okay. All but, right. I mean, okay. if you're the 400 to 500th person, you'd be amongst the the barrels of, of beer. And, and sure. You know, you're, you're not in a great, very place. So yeah, of course I think course. about, I think about 300 would, would have oh, in that okay. area that they have for music would have been right. And I think we pulled in 250, I think. And again, the way that we did it is I played a little game on Facebook. We talked about this last week yeah. where I put out yeah, yeah. a bunch of clues only to find that Facebook is not your friend with really distributing the, you know, the, the, the uh, post very well. And I wasn't about to start paying for it. And, and, um, well, it doesn't sound uh, like you needed to sound like it. Well, we didn't know you wouldn't know until the end. Right. Right. So, you know, I, we tried a few other things and then we were a little bit more direct and actually, you know, let a few key people knew, know who we knew would spread the word in their own way. And, uh, and it was good. We had our buddy, Barry, who I got a sense of love to, you know, you're my good friend who actually flew out from Chicago from this, which was yeah. so flattering and so awesome. I, he, I still he flew understand. out for a bitter pill gig at, when we did our, yeah. um, he seems like he likes to go to breweries cause you were at a yep. brewery and, and we played our, uh, our bitter pills release party, uh, that he came out for, I don't know, last which month, which is awesome, which is I mean, awesome. It's amazing. What a, yeah. What a good guy. Amazing. So, um, we played my friend, Richard Karras, um, was there to take pictures. He wanted, he wanted, Wanted a good photo of the band summarily dismissing their masks. So we actually came on stage with masks on. And our first song was Let's Go Crazy by Prince. And the little rap, I kind of rewrote it, you know, to be a little bit more timely. Sure. And we had a ceremonial taking off of the masks, which, uh, which uh, you know, created a couple of good pictures. But That's by good. and large, the band played good, not great. The energy was great, not good. The people there were just so happy to be out listening to live music. And, you know, they're they're kind of our Homer crowd. So they were really happy to see us playing again. And um, 
I don't know. It was, it was a really fun evening. Everybody was on a huge high at the end. It was an interesting it was, you know, because of their, the time they're open, it was only six to nine. So a six o'clock start time, it was also 105 degrees in a warehouse. So everybody had a lot of skin in this game, uh, you know, in terms of uh, physical and emotional commitment. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick, when he was loading his keyboards in, he actually almost passed out from heat. He, you know, he had to lay down on the floor and, you know, we, we, you know, we had to get over a couple bumps and, you know, it's kind of like the rock and roll circus is riding <laughs> again. Right. So, you know, got one guy over here, you know, semi passed out. We had a couple people, you know, not think they brought their own alcohol into another establishment and had to be told, Hey, you can't really maybe do that. Maybe that's not a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good thing to do. But at the end of the day, the goal was to, you know, get our first gig, create a little buzz. And I would have to say that the exercise was really good. You know, our band has enough followers and fans where it was fun to um, have this first gig back in this unusual circumstance, um, have a little mystery to it and have a little, and the you know pictures came out and the comments have been really great. Right. And so, you know, as a marketing exercise, it was a very successful activity to undergo, put us in a good place. Uh, again, the band played good, um, not great. We had a couple new we had a new horn chart that we had to go through. This was the first time that the guys had actually played it. You know, and it's so funny because I listened, we recorded it off, off our board and you listen back and it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It was actually much better than I thought it was when listening to it. Yeah. And then the stuff that, you know, clearly needed, you know, there was some stuff that jumps out is like, oh yeah, yeah, guys, you got to, and this is what Slack is for is just kind of like send the notes or share the files and let it go. You ever find that like, like the, when you used to listen to your, you don't do it anymore, right? You don't listen to your gigs on the way home, right? You Not wait. right on the way home. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, soundboard recordings in all but the largest rooms rarely sound good anyway, right? They, yeah. I mean, it, really what you want is just to, you know, hang a couple of mics, uh, you know, whatever, 50 feet out from the band and, and record that. You know, well, yeah, because that, soundboard gonna... recording is the the mix is a mixture of what's coming off the stage that needs additional push through the main. Well, yeah, we no, we no, we have no to remember truth. our our PA's are used for that, right? Reinforcement, not yeah. full mix, right? Right. So it's it's very much what needed to be reinforced, and so you wind up with this really weird mix often out of uh, out of your soundboard now. A digital board, you could very easily do uh, uh, a separate mix just for tape, right? And mm -hmm. or you could record your all your inputs and then do a mix when you get home and and come up with it that way, which I've certainly done, and that that can pay off because you've got a multi track and you can you know as long as you had mics on everything, you can you know remix it, but also you know, redo your effects for a way that actually sounds good to listen to as opposed to what works in the particular room. Cause there's going to be some natural reverb in a, you know, what, what appeared to be a mostly cement room, right. That, so you probably didn't have a whole lot of reverb on the vocals, for example. Right. You know, but, yep. but you might when you're listening back, otherwise it's going to sound real dry, you know? So, um, so but I'll yeah. tell you, I did, yeah. I did another exercise, you know, I was committed to trying to use my in-ears and, um, you know, kind of, kind of the same situation. You know, one guy turned up and that was all of a sudden all I could hear my in-ears and, and then trying to communicate in real time to the sound guys, I need a little of this or a little of that. And, yep. you know, their interpretation of a little is not really working in the middle of a gig. One thing I want to try this week, I'm going to go a different route. You know, those cool, um, 
in-ears that the folks from Waves sent us that we can use? Yes, of course. Yeah. I'm going to not go for the total seal, you know, in-ears, the ultimate ears that, that I've been using, that I have for, you know, many years. Okay. And, you know, really just take a different approach to it rather than looking for a mix I can live with. I'm going to have them in to be an enforcement. Again, you know, my band is loud. Yeah. I'm going to just have it there in addition to a wedge and, uh, and, you know, not have the total seal, have a little bit more connection to the rest of the room. But those uh, waves ones, I would, I would argue seal better. I mean, they seal fantastically. Well, then maybe I should try the, the Mackies that they sent us. And those also seal fantastic. I mean, all of these, well, because I mean, your ultimate ears in theory will give you a fantastic seal. Don't, don't get me wrong on that. Um, where you, but you need to make sure that like the molds are exactly the right shape and size. And I've been through that with, with various different, um, in-ears that I've had over the years, the full customs often, uh, in fact, I think my ultimate ears that I have my UE 11s, which were done, not using molds, they did them with their, their digital scanner. Those were the first in-ears that I've ever had that I didn't need to send back for a, a fit tweak. Uh, but once I get, once I do the fit tweak and with those, they came out of the, out of the box that way, you know, it's a good seal, but the, um, the Mackies, the MP series, we've got the two forties and the three twenties and then the waves customs. Those all have, um, like, uh, tips on them that you adjust for your own ear. And certainly I guess you could use smaller tips than would fit in your ear to give yourself a worse seal. But Tips are almost always going to be able to give you a fantastic seal. The, mm. the, the only issue with using tips is because they are sort of, well, by definition, universally shaped, they can fatigue your ear after a while. Cause they're going to be pushing harder on one part of your ear than maybe the, the, you know, the others so that you yeah. get that. So you get a full seal, uh, whereas a, a fully custom fit is going to push exactly the same amount, which is very, very little everywhere in your ear, just enough, right? Just right. Whereas like, like I said, the, the tips are going to push a different amount because they're generally round and your ear isn't. Yep. So, so yeah, well, no, what Simon does is you know, remember Simon on stage is right in front of the business end of the trumpets, right? So right. He, and he's very careful about his hearing anyway. Yep. So what he does is he has the sure, um, um, not not custom fit ones, yeah, right? The universal fits, but, sure. Yeah. yeah, and he puts one in tight, and he puts one in loose, mm. and that's his balance of all things. And he mixes himself, sure, sure. So the struggle is real, my friend. Yeah, I think you've got to. You need to mix them yourself at least to get going, and I think you need to do it a hundred percent of the time. That includes rehearsals. If you're not using in-ears at rehearsal and mixing them yourself, I feel like this path is, is going to be a difficult one to, to finish. Mm. Do you use in-ears at rehearsal? Nope. Yeah. See, that's the key. You got, you, you, you just, you need to go all in on them, right? You, you can't one foot in, in either camp isn't going to get you anywhere. Because I, I, it's a, but but that might get me more used to it. And remember, we're talking about ten years of trying these things. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't help. How does it? I mean, the only part that really seems like it would address this is me being more proactive and mixing myself, which I just well, that, find well, that's what I mean. Hard Do, as a front as a front person, but you don't have to worry about that at rehearsal, right? So if you can mix them yourself at rehearsal, you will very quickly learn 
what you really like. And then you can have a meaningful conversation with whoever's mixing them for you at the gig. Right. You know, and, but you'll also be able to come in with a real feel for like, Oh, I see. I, Cause you could experiment in rehearsal, right. Where, yeah. you, you know, you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be super dramatic about this. I'm going to take everything out except for my vocal and my guitar and then play a song that way and see how it goes. And then get to the end of the song and be like, all right, I actually do need a little bit of keys and a little bit of other guitar, right? And starting from zero and coming up. Whereas if you tried to do that at a gig, like you've got too much else going on to, to even begin that process. And I, that's why when we've had this conversation, I feel like you haven't really started this because you need to, you need to grab the reins and, and every rehearsal do this because you will evolve through that. And then mm. it'll get to a point where you're like, ah, okay. Now I, now that I'm controlling it, I know what I want. And, and once you know what you want, then you can have a five minute conversation with an engineer, explain that. And you're off to the races. Okay. I think that's, I mean, I'll keep not, trying. It's not going to hurt. I really would like to get there. You know, yeah. nothing's going to hurt. Right. So anyway, good experience. Yeah. I want to hear about your gigs and then I want to tell you about kind of an interesting path that this gig has led us down. But I know oh. you had a really good gig this weekend we, as well, right? We did. Yeah. Bitter Pill. We played at, um, at this place called Eastman's Farm, which is a, a, a it, it's a farm market uh, that has, I mean, you could go in there and, and buy all kinds of like things that you might find at a farm, like eggs and meats and things like that. Uh, they also have a deli there where you can, you know, get pre-made or the, the, not pre-made, but on the spot made food for you, not just stuff you're going to buy and take home and cook. Uh, and then they've got a little uh, outdoor area with like a porch. They had a food truck come in with even more food and some lemonades and stuff. And and they do this on Saturday nights and they uh, and we played there six to eight and we set up on the porch and everybody else just kind of hangs out in the grass. They've got some tables, but you can also bring your own chairs. And it really, it like Billy has Billy Butler who leads uh, bitter pill and um, is our, uh, is the one who's doing all the bookings and everything. He's really been finding some great opportunities for us. Like this was a perfect vibe for us. It was family vibe, which means mm. we changed some of the songs that we play. Cause some of our songs are a little edgier, um, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Like we can, we're really flexible in that regard. And, and actually the, the way we're moving in the stuff that we're working on allows us to be even more flexible in that regard. But, uh, but by and large, you know, you get in a bitter pill show, whether, whether it's a family friendly crowd or, or very much not, uh, you know, it's uh, most of the songs are still the same. We just take a few of them out. Like we've got just some, you know, like our, our tune. Con. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, the, the, we probably don't want to bring the vibe down that way. Um, but Play sexy, sexy MF by print. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good one for for uh, <laughs> for the out. kids, for the kids. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For the children. Well, and it, you know, if, if it if we can assist your family in opening the door for maybe some awkward conversations like that, maybe that's our job. No, uh, but uh, but it, like for whatever reason, you know, we got set up the sound on stage, which was on this this porch out front was a covered porch was just fantastic. Everybody, everybody in this band gets it. Everybody understands that, you know, you have to blend with everybody else in the band and, and we all subscribe to that and we just sort of do it naturally. Everybody wants to hear what's going on with everybody else. And, uh, the mix on stage was great. The mix out in the house was great. The band played, we played, it was the first gig 
where we really felt like a band and maybe not the first gig, but it was the big, the gig where we have felt like more of a band than we have prior to this. Not that we haven't in the past, but it just really kind of came to fruition on next Saturday. Level. Yeah, it was next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it, it, it was not perfect, although it was the perfect gig. It really, it really was just fantastic, but we had some, you know, some actually we had a train wreck. We had one tune we started and one member who shall remain nameless uh, was playing in a different key. And we're all sort of asking the question, you know, are we all in the same key? Are we all in the same key? And finally we realized, ah, you know, somebody read the set list and then saw one song and played another, you know, it was just pretty much. If you have to ask the question, you've answered the question. That's correct. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it was, it, it, it was, it was interesting. Cause usually when there's, when there's an error on stage, the best thing to do is to follow the person that doesn't know they're wrong. Right. Because that way you get everything, but back on, if everybody knows that person's wrong, okay, we'll follow them. And now they become right. And you know, the, 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 the show goes on. In this case, that was impossible uh, other than adapting on the fly to a, to playing the entire song in a different key. So it meant stopping and, you know, very obviously like, OK, we have a problem. We got to fix this. And but the crowd was so into it. And I think I mean, part of it is just it's the vibe that that we as a band uh, create that it's you know, we're a, a collaborative environment. It is live music. But I think also it's just that people have been by and large, you know, stuck in their homes watching perfectly produced things for the last year. You know, you you watch a, a TV show and you get, you know, whatever is delivered after the 43rd take or something, right? It, it was not, you're not seeing live art. And this is live art, as we know, every time we take the stage, it's sometimes far more apparent than others. But just that that element was so warmly embraced by everyone there. It was really fantastic. Everybody was like right there with us. They loved that we had to, you know, stop and restart a tune. It was it was actually the song right before it was at the end of our first set. So it was very much on people's minds as we, you know, took our break and everybody was just laughing about it. And it was it was just perfect. It was really the whole liveness of it was um, was spectacular. It was great to really feel that. And again, we've been really fortunate here. We've been playing gigs for the last month or maybe even longer. And, um, but this one was, it was really nice. It was really nice. And that's uh, really cool. Good it was. Yeah. Thank you. We, um, I, and I went to see that concert the other night. I went to Saratoga. Wait, I want you to pause on that because you gave okay. me a, a cool little opening when you were oh, talking about how, yeah, um, how Billy is finding cool places for you to do what you do. So, yeah. I was saying that the place that we played is this brewery in a warehouse. And uh, I think I've shared with you that the place that was our quote-unquote home club in Los Gatos doesn't look like it's going to be opening up again as a as a COVID casualty, right? Sure. So we've started a little conversation in the band about like, you know, we have a place that basically in the wintertime is our once-a-month once thing. And uh, it keeps us out there, keeps us playing together. We always know we have that gig. It was a good draw. We would fill the place. It was called Charlie's. And uh, it was a good thing. Yeah. But we're not going to have remember. That. I no. remember going and seeing you there. I think I, oh, I might cool. have even played, uh, you know, set oh, yeah, a song. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. There. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, we have other club dates that we have. And one of them is a, like we're playing this Friday at another club that – is about 45 miles away that we've built a great audience over time, but it's not our local-ish audience, but it's a very, it's a solid gig for us always. Sure. But we have, 
you know, a built-in crowd. And so everything kind of works. And I think I was sharing that at Charlie's, um, the when he first started having music, um, his his offer for a flat fee just didn't work. And he was just really, really cautious about, you know, committing too much to bands and, mm. you know, so I said, Hey, we'll play, we'll play for the door, but we get to control the door. And so we cut a deal then, you know, and this is 12, 15 years ago. Um, we cut a deal then where we take the door and we built it up to, you know, pretty much selling it out. Every time that we come, we would have a good club payday. It was a good thing. Right. So now not only is it serving the purpose of gets our local fan base a chance to see us in the wintertime when we're not out and about quite as much, it, you know, was a payday. It was, it was just work, you know, it, it, because it was always full, it created a good vibe that we were a, you know, kind of a hot thing to see. Right. Sure. Worked on many levels. So anyway, we don't, that's gone. So the conversation is, what do we do? There are other clubs that we can play. And there's some clubs that, you know, that actually have really nice stages and really good sound systems and lights and are good rooms that we can start to try and build into something, but it's outside. And so the philosophy goes like this. I believe Charlie's was a good gig because it was in a nice uh, kind of, you know, you've been in my town, rural, uh, suburban, yeah, you know, suburban, cool, yeah. quaint, quaint little town, lots of nice places to go out to dinner, very safe, you know, very, very, you know, conducive. Um, and uh, there's another club in the town that that actually just reopened and, you know, was was packed on its opening weekend. So so I think that actually, you know, as much as I love our, our band and think we're the greatest thing in the world, I do think that part of the equation is, is it a is it a venue that people want to go to? It's sure. not just about us. It's, yeah, it's about, a partnership. You know, right. It's, it it's, is. Yep. For sure. For sure. So we play this gig on Friday night and we took, we went there because we knew it could hold us and we knew we could make this little stealthy thing, but it's not, you know, a band, that, a, a room that's really uh, set up for the type of thing we do. It's typically not a, a dance place. It's not a, um, you know, there, there's no stage, there's no lights, there's, you know, it, it's pretty, you know, industrial, right? Bear, bear, it's a brewery, right? Yeah. It's, it's a brewery. That's yeah, what they man. do. Yeah. That's what yeah. they do. Yeah. That's the vibe. That's, I saw the pictures. I thought it looked pretty cool. I, it was like, I'm like, what well, a great thing. I'm glad to hear you say that. And, yeah. and net, net, the band enjoyed the playing there. Yeah. Uh, the people who came and that, you know, again, part of the reason they came was because it was our first gig in 16 months, but, but, you know, they really liked the place. They had a couple food trucks there. So there was a, a taco guy and a Colombian food guy. Food was really good. Um, there's some outdoor seating, you know, if you want to get out and cool down. Like I said, it was 105. Um, anyway, so the light bulbs start going on. And, you know, I think what I'd like to do is approach these people and say, hey, you know, this kind of worked. You know, there's a few things. Are You know, are, are you going to get an ASCAP BMI license? Would you consider putting in a stage if I say we'll come once a month? You know, would you consider making it a little bit more formal, you know, mm. place to perform music? We got to figure out a door thing. You have regular customers who probably wouldn't be that happy about a, a cover charge, you know, when they come in. So yeah. how would we handle that type of thing? But, you know, kind of like what you, I think you're saying Billy is doing is finding interesting places to create your own business. And this is kind of cool because, you know, that lesson of us having a partnership with the venue where we're pretty confident we'll, we'll draw and we're willing to take the risk. Right. So we're taking the risk out of the venue's hands, 
you keep the bar money, which is really kind of how it should be, right? Yep. If the if the band, like you know, I watch all these conversations on on Cover Band Central and Cover Confidential, and you know, it's all like, no, it's a partnership between the venue, or no, the band has to control their own destiny, or no, the you know, the venue, you know, it's their venue, they have to attract the guests. You, you know, there's a wide range of philosophies on this type of thing, but I kind of know where our situation largely sure. is, and that's that's the key, knowing what knowing what you do. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and knowing knowing who you are i like i wouldn't i don't know that the the most important thing if i were in your shoes i, I wouldn't really care about whether or not they built a stage i, I mean they, they got to get the licensing together right you know if you because you're you know playing cover tunes and that's important otherwise they're going to get shut down you certainly don't want that and you don't want to be the guy that led them down that path you know um and they got it sounds like they got to figure out their HVAC when they're going to have, you know, 100 plus people in there. So that's got to yep. get sorted. And really, like, to me, that's enough. If if your crowd liked it there and the band liked it there, who cares if there's a stage in the corner? Like you found well, a place. I care. And I'll tell you why. And this is a really interesting conversation to me. Yeah. That you would say who cares. So I, I'm really interested in your opinion here. To me, everything is an ongoing marketing effort that leads to something bigger and better, right? Sure. On a constant basis. So to me, I want everything a bit like Charlie's is a really nice place. It was a really nice club. The stage mm -hmm. was kind of small, but that was it. But the club itself, the bartenders dressed up in costume, bar the bar was beautiful. It was a it was a nice they room. had a vibe. Sure. They had a vibe. And um I wanted I want the experience to come in to see the band to be a quality experience for people all the time. I think it was a good experience, but I just think it can be a better experience. Then it sounds and like I, this I isn't the right stage, place for your band. I don't know. Like I said, it, you know, there's ne there's never 200 people in there in the other times like when I've gone to see Simon. So I think that, you know, we could financially justify to them an investment. And then again, remember for them, if every picture coming out of that club looks like it's a real music club, a music venue, That'll attract more people and that'll attract better bands. And, you know, there's there's they should be able to leverage because what are we talking about? You know, to build a, a 24 by 20 plywood stage to, you know, put in to put in a rack of lights, you know, um, and, you know, we're talking 2,500, five grand or something like that. You know, it's, we're not talking about breaking the bank. Sure. It's, it's a four figure number to to get certainly to get rolling. But it's not a five figure number. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. But, the, but the question is. If I'm that club, why would I need to make that investment to dedicate a section of my room that I can never yep. do anything else with? Right. That's the crux of it, Dave. And I'm going to go ask them, what do you want to be? Do you, do you want to be a music room? Yeah. Do you want to do you want to be, you know, I, See, I, just I, personally I could think if they want to be a music room, they could do what they, they could live with the layout that they have for two years. Right. Solve the other logistical problems. Like there's a stage sound, even just from the gig you described to me, their stage scenario is, you know, at best number three on the list. Right. There's definitely things above that. And it's probably mm -hmm. closer to eight, nine or ten on the list. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, really, because it works without it. That's the thing. It's it. it is the only thing the stage is adding is it's not solving a logistical problem. It's solving a, a vision problem, right? Which is fine. And, and I, I mean I that. It, I think it creates a, it's an upsell basically. Correct. I think it's it an upsell. A, a vibe thing. That's right. Yeah. And, but if, if they want to experiment with this, 
I don't think putting a stage in. I don't know. It sounds like you had a really good gig. It sounds like you're overthinking it, which is usually the, <laughs> my job. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it just sounds like, well, why mess with perfection? Get the licensing in place. You know, figure out the HVAC uh, and and go rock it out again and and see what happens. Like, watch it evolve, because maybe this is a great thing for people in that area and your band in that area. Right. Like this whole playing at breweries thing, that's a relatively new thing, you know, well, and nationwide. Yeah. So Nick said, you know, these brew houses are opening up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, this conversation can be had in many places. Um, but I do think that, you know, if if many breweries want to add music to what they're doing, I here's the thing about being on the floor. Everybody's standing up right in front of us. If yep. you're beyond the first 10 people, you can't see the band. Sure. Yeah, fair. And that's what I meant when I said it solves a vision problem. I actually meant that as a, a double entendre, uh, right? Because it solves the vision of what the club is, but it also literally solves a vision problem, right? Being able to see the band, you know, raised up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yep. But I think, I think, I don't know. It wouldn't, if I were them, that wouldn't be my first thing to worry about. I, I would, I would figure They out, may say that, right? So it's yeah. it, what it is. Now, if there's a step back a little bit, it's a negotiation. I think it's important. I think it's a value, right? Sure. So I would say, you know, if I'm going to make a bet on my band in your place that we're going to, you know, dr- draw, drive our crowd to it. Yep. They may say, nope, not worth it to me. Or no, they may yeah. say, because they just saw what our band is about and they just saw the type, you know, the. Right, but how the, often know, the could, that we had. could they have you there drawing that kind of a crowd? I mean, you just do that every once night. It's, it's not going to happen, right? But once a month. Okay. So then they got to go and find, you know, seven other bands to do this with or four, or if they're going to do, you know, only one night a week. Or if but isn't do- this the bigger question about how scenes evolve and scenes become a thing? So if they um, get their act together and have a good booking person who can discerningly say, well, you know, we're, you know, sure. we put some money into making this a, making this a, you know, a music venue. We expect bands to do X, Y, and Z, which, which good clubs do. They're like, sure. you know, you know, we, we will promote you on our calendar and we will send out a calendar to our customers, but we expect the band to do it as well. And so, you know, th- that's how scenes evolve and, you know, the cream rises to the top. I mean, it is, you know, it is part of the deal. Like, do you have your business act together as a band to to drive people? Because it, that's this is what's happening. These places are investing, right? right? And they're betting, right? They're betting that a Friday or Saturday night, which is their big money night, that you're going to be additive to that, not neutral. But is that something they want to do? I mean, it's... That, we got to find out. That's always been the interesting thing to me about playing it at brew houses, right? Because what is their... Like, where does their money come from? Are they selling more out the back door as a truly a brewery, right? Or, and is this just to help pay for the space? A lot of those places, you know, it's like, okay, come on in, you know, taste That's our- That's why I'm going to start by asking, what, what do you want to do with music? Yeah, I'm taste not gonna- our beers, but let us serve you some food because you make a ton of money off of food, right? You know, so like, and now, now that pays your rent and okay, now you, you know, the rest is just profits. So yeah, I- I don't know. It sounds like you had a pretty good time. I, I would, I would, I'd book it again. Like, <laughs> why not? If it works, yeah. book it again. Yeah. 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 I think it is interesting though. There, there are lots of new types of opportunities. I'm, I'm really curious, you know, even, I mean, for us this summer, 
most of our gigs with bitter pill are outdoor gigs uh, because we were able to book those, you know, months ago with some confidence that they could actually potentially happen. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously things are far more open right now than they are, than they were even a month ago. I mean, we're at Madison square garden last night, food fighters played to whatever, 19,000 people or something, right. You know, no social distancing, everybody's vaccinated. It's all like it works. Right. So, and I went, I, the show I saw was uh, the train Astasio band at, um, at uh, Saratoga performing arts center. It's back over right. in New York. You said that it was um, that was socially distanced, right. That because it was sold prior to things really opening, uh, but people weren't really distancing. I mean, they were at our seats because that's how it was organized. But in terms of like bathroom lines and things like that, nobody was really worried about it. Um, but you're outside. And so a, a lot less of a concern anyway. But I didn't see a whole lot of masks there and they were not mandated, you know. Uh, but these, you know, these a lot of these outdoor gigs that we've been playing are what I would call makeshift stages this summer. You know, things that did not exist two years ago. Like, for example, this weekend we're playing uh, at the Portsmouth Music Hall, which has been there for, you know, hundreds of years uh, or maybe 100 years. I'm not sure, but a long time. Right. But we uh, assuming the weather holds, we are playing outside. They close off the street in front of the Portsmouth Music Hall. And they have a stage set up under the these big arches that exist downtown in Portsmouth. And they set up a bunch of tables in the street. And that's how the band works, right? That's how you do it. If it rains, we go inside. And it's then I think the seating is still socially distanced in there. But it might not be. I don't, you know, I don't know. It wouldn't have to be anymore. Uh, so things are evolving. But like this outdoor stage is really cool. And I wonder why wouldn't they do that next summer? Like what a great thing to have music in, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. They, I think they do it Saturday and Sunday. We play, we'll play two shows. We'll play a five o'clock show and a seven o'clock show on Sunday. And uh, why not do that? Like what an amazing yeah. thing. And so like your brewery thing and all these other sort of let's figure out what we can do to make it work. You know, we have this opportunity where we're starting a lot of things. I don't want to say fully from scratch, but we're making a lot of stuff up, which I guess is from scratch, right? So I'm really curious to see how much of this is truly temporary for one year and how much of it is like, hey, you know, that works. Well, let's yeah. just keep doing it. Like, that's cool. So, so I, in your I don't know. town, yeah. in, in, in the downtown area, yeah, <clears throat> did they allow um, restaurants to kind of build these parklet outside seating mm -hmm. things? Yep, they did that. And uh, did they cut off uh, tra car traffic through the main street downtown? Yeah, they did. In yeah. in if they needed to, if the sidewalk was huge, then then they no. But uh, you know, in places where the sidewalk wasn't big enough to like set up a row of tables or whatever, right. they would block off half the street for this particular street. And it's like, all right, this street's one way now. Uh, you know, deal with it. And, and everybody yeah, so dealt with it. So yeah, as things go back to normal, you know, that was interesting to me that the towns could so quickly see that basically giving free real estate to keep these businesses afloat was a thing. I can't imagine that that's an ongoing thing because most small towns need parking anyway, right? Sure. So yeah, I, no, I don't I, know. That goes away. But like what they're doing in, in front of the music hall, it, it really is on, it's not an alley, but it's almost an alley. And, mm. and there's no reason that they couldn't keep that street you know, it's, it's essentially one block 
that that is not overly used by cars. I mean, I'm sure it is, but it's it's not a major artery yeah. uh, to close it on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. I, I think that particular thing could persist. Uh, obviously, the, the town council needs to vote on it. And I live in you know small town New England, so they like to fight about everything no matter what. Uh, <laughs> that's just how it works here. So, like, there's a million reasons why it could get totally shot down. But I think logistically, it's really it's fine the way they're doing it. And uh, in that, again, in that particular scenario, and, and it sounds like, you know, your brew house is the same sort of thing. This particular scenario a year ago, people might not have thought to do a gig there. Right. But yeah. now it's like, ah, wait a minute. Well, Everybody spent room. the last year just kind of scrambling to find ideas to stay. Afloat, That's right? it. So exactly. And how yeah. music plays into this is could be partnerships, relationships, sharing the burden, sharing the risk of things. And totally, you know, yeah. So you had talked quite specifically about, you know, it's going to be a bumpy landing. This would be the other side of that. You know, there, right. there is a lot of opportunity for things to be reinvented. The opportunity goes very deep. A lot a lot of the bands I'm seeing in my area getting gigs are bands who would never have gotten certain gigs in the past. Sure. Right? And, uh, you know, they're kind of, you know, showing up in, in different ways in different places. And it just, everybody has to scratch their head. You know, relationships have to be re, re-entrenched and, uh, Fan bases have to be reengaged and, and there's a lot of things. But for those who can figure it out and, you know, kind of what I'm describing is like we had this pendulum, right? Once upon a time, there was a mildly vibrant club scene that largely had gone away. But there's a really vibrant festival and summer concert series right. scene and, you know, corporate and wedding gigs kind of come and go. And now there had been a vibrant winery scene, but it kind of tended more towards singles duos and trios and then is starting to get towards bands now mm. and you know there if you step back far enough the wineries aren't doing this out of benevolence they're doing it because there's a value to you know drawing people in of course music adds to it right yeah and so now we're saying like all right well you know that scene is getting a little saturated at least in in northern california where else do we go to create different things you know simon god love him man he you know you've probably seen he's playing about 20 25 gigs a month He'll, he, he'll busk, he'll go out and he, he's cut a couple of deals where he plays out on the street as people walk by. You know, he probably sure. gets some basic stipend, but he's getting a lot of tips. He'll do a duo or a trio in that format. And just being, having, I guess it's ingenuity, right? Just yeah. like figure out how to get it done. I got to figure out it done, how to get it done for a 10-piece band on a big, heavy, expensive sound system and, you know, 10 guys who want to get paid. So, you know, that's just my constraints to solving my own problem. Every right. band will have their own, right? Right. But there are, there are, there are opportunities if people are uh, ambitious and have some ingenuity. I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just some, the flexibility to do whatever you need to do to fit in a, a given environment. Right. And like I said, with bitter pill, that means we're adjusting the set list, but also like there was a bitter pill gig Friday night. We played this one Saturday, Friday night. That was a house concert. And it was just like, okay, Billy and Tomer are going to do that one. It's just a, it's just a bitter pill duo. It's fine. Like it, it fits, it works, keeps the band moving forward, like all of that stuff. And uh, you know, and we evolve, like there's, there's gigs where we play it with all of us, but it's far more stripped down. You know, I might just be playing Cajon or something, you know, for the gig mm -hmm. as opposed to, but even during the gig, like on, on Saturday, I probably played four songs just on Cajon and the rest of them on drum kit. But you know, some of the songs on drum kit are full, like rock volume, let's call them. And some are more like, 
uh, jazz songs, right? Where I'm right. maybe just playing brushes and kick and you know, but we can do any of that in any place. And so it's like, okay, what are we, what is, what's the right thing for us to do here? And most of the time we can come up with an answer for that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when we played that basement show, it was like, okay, leave the cajon at home. Like this is, we're going to rock this out. It's going to be sweaty for an hour, yeah, which was great. You know, it was perfect for that. It would have been, oh, we could have done the jazzier stuff, but yeah. we didn't, you know, we, we decided, okay, we can do this here. And I think approaching having a band that that's flexible like that, both logistically, but also personality wise, where everybody comes in and says, okay, what's the right thing? What's the best thing for us to do here that a, you know, serves the environment and B equal to that serves yeah. what we as a band do. Right. And, and so that means the definition of your band might need to be a little more fluid than it has been in the past in order to truly succeed in, in these, especially these transitory, this transitory year uh, mm-hmm. next year might be a little more, solid i don't want to say normal because i i I don't i don't know that we ever go all the way back and just forget about this like i I think i think some of the changes that happened will just simply continue to evolve as opposed to erode uh but but you know i i think i think taking a look at what you're doing especially with you down you know where you are in this new area whatever you're putting together down there like you can you're truly creating out of whole cloth. And so you can create this flexible environment kind of like, um, like what Adam Johnson does with his AT ATL party bands. Yeah. Forgive me if I've got that wrong. Right. He's the co-host of cover band confidential. And, uh, you know, he, he built a modular setup and you book through one entity and tell them what your vibe is. And then they deliver, the right thing for that vibe. And that's yep. that, you know, you want yep. all nineties rock. Great. You want, you know, wedding party dance stuff. Great. You know, just check the box. He sorts out the logistics delivers. Adam's the right thing. good thinker. He is. Yeah. 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 It really is. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think we more now than ever that we get to make it up as we go along. Mentality really is going to thrive and bands that bands that have already been doing it for a long time are ready to rock. Uh, but I think it opens the door for all of us where we can really kind of define who we are uh, by, you know, even redefining. Um, I think, I think it's, I think there's, I think there's a lot here. I'm, I, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. uh, Seeing what's happening. You seem really jazzed about, um, about bitter pill. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's a great gig. It it's a great band. Everybody gets along. Everybody, Really, we're all into pushing it forward. Is your corporate band getting any nibbles? I don't. I you know it. It I. It's hard to say whether that's going to be a COVID casualty or not. Um, it it. I'm not convinced that Gary really wants to do the work. He says he doesn't want to do the work to mm. to book the band, but I'm. But I know. I know. I know how that goes. I've been in that scenario. I mean, he's he's a he's a go-getter, right? So if there's nibbles, he's probably not going to be able to ignore them. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, right. You know, but I think starting this fall, there's going to be a lot of that kind of work um, 
you know, around as, as places really can be full capacity and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, I think it, I think it's going to be huge. Yeah. 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 So, but we're having a blast with bitter pill and I, I'm, we're having fun recording fling songs too. I don't know what the future of flings live performance days looks like, but I, I, I it's, we've definitely pushed the reset button on that. And I'm curious to see if we wind up, going out and performing as an original band. It might, it, it could, we certainly have the songs. We've always had the songs, but our focus now has been just on recording originals and um, sort of workshopping them and, and getting them down. And we're, we're moving, we're doing a lot in that regard. So I'm curious to see if that leads us anywhere or if it just becomes its own little thing, you know, we'll see. I'm having fun with it. So it's fine, but right. It, but yeah, I ride the wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. I'm I'm really fortunate to be playing the gigs that I am, and I'm you know trying to fit in as many gigs with Amanda Dane as I can, without kind of overdoing everything. But cool. um, yeah, no, it's it's we're really lucky here that we're able yeah, to. You're do almost as, firing all on all cylinders, right? Yeah, yeah. We really we are. It's great. It's um, I I did not think that we would be here this soon. You know, and when all these gigs started getting booked for this summer, I was like, well, wishful thinking, you know, maybe half of them will happen. And so far, all of them have happened. Uh, Doesn't mean that the rest of them will happen, but it sure looks like they will. I I think our biggest uh, stumbling block will be that so many of these gigs that we have booked are outdoor gigs. And, you know, the rain is eventually going to catch up with us, but I'll knock on wood and, uh, and hope that it does not. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been good to us so far. Rain's been good to me so far, <laughs> to paraphrase Mr. Walsh. Ah, I don't know. That's what I got. How about you? That was good. Good. Yeah. I think, good. you know what? I'm thinking about this. This was the most like the conversations we used to have before <laughs> we started doing the podcast. True. Like, hey, where's your gig? How about my gig? Mm-hmm. I got a problem. Solve my problem. I got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it solved my problem. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Make sure feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Share what you're up to. We'd love to hear. You know, we're obviously we're both, you know, Paul and I are on different coasts and we're experiencing different things, different abilities uh, to play locally. Obviously, that's going to continue to open up for us both. At least we hope it will. Uh, But we're really curious to hear what you're up to, what you're doing what you're able to do, what your plans are feedback at giggabpodcast.com. I'd love to get you involved in this part of the conversation. You folks always send in your, you know, your tips and your, the things you find the gear and all that, which we love, but I'd love to get you in on this part of the conversation. So again, feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Belated happy birthday to Paul McCartney. A belated Macca birthday. There you go. Yeah. All right. That's it. You got anything else, man? Always be performing. Always, always, always be performing, folks. Yeah. Take it easy. We'll see you next time. 